and thank you for joining us today on Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but who have busted through those limits. Ophelia said in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we may be. I believe this to be true and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar, liter caterpillar literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. Obviously, this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits society has put upon someone. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. If we have a support system around us to encourage us and facilitate that growth, even better. One area that I didn't even know there were limits on, but I have found out in the last couple of years, is on children and adults who have autism and preparing for the financial future of all people with special needs. And that brings me to my guest today. Dennis is a husband, a father of two, and a financial planner specializing in special... Uh, sorry. <laughs> so, Dennis, welcome. Um, you are the first dad to officially be part of Hashtag No Limits. So thank you for breaking that limit. And please tell us more about yourself and your family. Great. Thanks, Chili. Um, So, yeah, my name is Dennis Farrar. Uh, my wife, Cynthia, I have uh, two children, Tim and Colleen. Tim was my firstborn, and he was, uh, well, both my children were born in Indianapolis. Um, uh, Tim has uh, a form of autism that they no longer even diagnose today. It was called PDD back then, but now he's just on the spectrum. Um, so, but we didn't really find out about uh, his autism because, you know, we were, he was our firstborn, and as he was growing up, you know, we were just uh, watching those little milestones and we thought everything was just working just fine. You know, the he may have been a couple weeks or maybe a month or so behind what some people would say, but he looked and acted like a perfectly normal little boy. So, um, yeah, so uh, I have a, a daughter. She's in uh, Lindenwood College right now. And she's, uh, I think you would call it a senior, but I think uh -huh. she's got a six-year plan. Yeah. Um, some so degrees are like that. <laughs> And some students are like that. Maybe it's not her degree path. But. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my wife, she works at, uh, she's a dietary supervisor at um, a retirement village here in, uh, in Eureka, Missouri. So okay. that's a little bit about me. All right. So how old was your son, you said, when he was diagnosed? Well, when he was actually diagnosed, it was about year four, right? Okay. Well, the way it happened was um, we, uh, we uh, let Tim go to a Montessori school. And he was at the Montessori school for probably two or three weeks when the teachers kind of called us up and said, you know, your son is kind of displaying some autistic tendencies. And we were kind of like, what? You know, what do you mean he's displaying autistic tendencies? You know, we he doesn't have the the typical autistic, uh, you know, like waving of hands or, you know, things that uh, I would have kind of noticed as mm -hmm. being autistic. But uh, the, the the teachers that are kind of specializing in that uh, figured out at about four. So then we went, we took him to a doctor, and that's when he was um, uh, diagnosed with PDD. So there's a couple things that I you probably saw me off to the, look off to the side. I wrote down because I wanted you to explain those a little bit more. Um, you talked about a Montessori school, and you talked about PDD, and you haven't explained what PDD stood for. I know, like you said, it's not in the diagnosis anymore, but if people, um, because I actually know someone who was also diagnosed with that, and um, so maybe they don't call it that anymore, um, yeah. but I like to just, I don't like acronyms because not everybody knows what they mean, so I always try to explain them. Uh, PDD is Pervasive Developmental Disorder, and uh, Pervasive Developmental Disorder, like I said, it no longer exists anymore, so it's just on the uh, on the spectrum. Um, basically, with uh, with uh, the form of autism that Tim has, he's extremely high functioning, right? So um, if you are talking with Tim and it's a topic that he enjoys, you'll be able to have a back and forth conversation and you'll have a meaningful conversation with him. 
On the other hand, if it is a topic that he does not have any interest in, he'll just walk away from you and go and uh, uh, just kind of go into his own little world, right? So. Right. Yeah, the, the person that um, I'm thinking of, she also had NOS, which is not otherwise specified um, behind the PDD. So, um, yeah, that's all been absorbed under the autism spectrum umbrella. So you also mentioned Montessori. What's a Montessori school? How is that different than just an average public school or private school? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a private school. Um it, it has a little bit of a religious uh, undertone to it, but uh, it's uh, it's not really a religious type of a school. It's kind of like a, a, a preschool, but um, they just do things just a little bit differently there. So and th I think there are monastery schools in, in the St. Louis area as well. But um, the uh, the school that we chose to put Tim in was uh, was a Montessori school. Yeah. And I think they have them throughout the country. I don't yeah. think it's just here in the Midwest. Um, and Maria, Marie Montessori is who was the founder of those schools. And a long time ago, um, kind of the idea behind it was to work a little bit more with our, our special needs population in order to let them work at their own pace. Mm -hmm. um, and there's they can do lots of different activities that maybe a public school can't do because typically the classroom sizes used to be smaller um, what was Tim's, Tim's, I cannot talk today. <laughs> what was Tim's class sizes when he went through there? Yeah, Tim's class size was probably about 18. Oh, okay, um, that's pretty big. So it was a pretty big, uh, pretty big school. So yeah, I think he had about 18 in his class. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's like a, I mean, for the area where I live, a typical class size is anywhere from 15 to 25. So, um, and that's in the public schools. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's a pretty good size for a private school. Yeah, and this was uh, obviously about 20 some odd years ago as well, so. <laughs> yeah, yep. So what, having autism, what kinds of ways did that affect your son? I mean, you talked about the conversation um, and that's it today as an adult, but like, did you feel that there were limits placed on him growing up that maybe as your daughter then came along and grew up, didn't have placed upon her? Yeah, um, I would say that uh, the way that um, uh, Cynthia and I kind of uh, approached this is that we wanted to make sure that we didn't put limits on him, right? So um, we treated him as, you know, just our son, right? Mm -hmm. He was our son. And uh, we were going to let him go at, at his pace, but we were going to push him a little bit. Uh, I, I tell a funny story. Uh, when we first got him diagnosed, um, a doctor told me, and this fit my personality perfectly, a uh, doctor told me, goes, you know, there's one thing that you can do to kind of pull him out, right? Because he would go into his own little world mm -hmm. and kind of pull him out. And the doctor told me, he goes, if you're driving in your car and you look over to the side and where I lived in Indiana, there were there was livestock and you see a cow, right? Um, look over and say, Tim, look at the horse. OK, so what that would do is Tim would look over and he would see this cow and he would say, well, my dad just said, look at the horse. So it kind of forced him out a little bit. So um, so that way he would say, wait a minute, dad, I don't see a horse. I see a cow. Right. Right. I just forced him out a little bit. Now, granted, me being like I said, my personality, I kind of took liberty with that a little bit. <laughs> And uh, I went a little bit more, I, I had a little fun with that. Let's just put it that way. But um, no, we actually did, um, we, we didn't want to put any limits on him. We didn't want to say that uh, he had limits, but we, but yet we didn't want to push him beyond what he was comfortable with at the same time, right? So um, we, we just wanted to find where his comfort level was. And uh, he, he eventually, he, he came out, I mean, he works, he works a, a job about 20 hours a week. He does really good at that. Um, so I think that the way it all worked out, um, I think he, he, he did pretty well, right? So um, he doesn't have any real limits placed on him, except that, you know, we're his guardians and uh, we will always be there for him. But we really do try to not uh, not put limits on him. Right. That's, that's excellent. Um, 
And I'm glad to hear that, you know, it sounds like you and your wife are on the same page and that your doctor, um, I really like that approach. I've never heard that before of, of a way to pull someone out of kind of withdrawing and um, to get them to talk a little bit more. So that that's fabulous. It, it's really helpful the more people you can get on the same page um, in, in raising, no matter who the child is, um, you know, whether that's your typically developing child or not. Um, I think that's extremely beneficial. And it sounds like the, the school systems. Um, so how long you said he was at the Montessori school for how long? Just a couple um, years? Yeah, he was at that Montessori school for probably only about a year before we got him involved in the special school district of uh, in Indianapolis. And then it was really shortly after that, that because our support system, because um, one of the things that we kind of found is that we really wanted a support system. Uh, and I took a job in Indianapolis when my wife and I were first married and we just moved to Indianapolis because, you know, we were, we were mobile, you know, we just got married. We could go anywhere we wanted. Mm -hmm. the, the support system was really back here in St. Louis. So we moved back here to St. Louis to be uh, with the support system. And uh, then we got Tim involved in the uh, special schools of St. Louis. Um, so uh, we, we were only in Indiana probably about a year after he was diagnosed. Oh, okay. And so um, I presume being in the special school district that um, he was accepted and, and welcomed wherever he went within the school systems. And um, oftentimes the limits that are placed on kids or anybody actually aren't spoken about. They're sort of in people's minds. Mm -hmm. So were you ever, was it ever hinted or were you ever told directly, um, you know, he's, he's never going to live independently. He's never going to hold a job. He's just, you know, were those kinds of things ever placed on him that you can recall? Well, he's always been pretty high functioning, but one of the things that, uh, you know, I think you'll find a lot of parents run into is that uh, trying to find that happy medium with the, with the medications. Uh -huh. um, when, when he was young, um, he was put on a, uh, um, a medication. I think it's called Tenet. Uh, Tenet. I, I think it's, Tenet. Uh, it's been a while since he's been on that one. Mm -hmm. um, but it actually made him sleep during the day, no matter when we gave it to him. Oh. Uh, we would try giving it to him at night and it wouldn't matter. He would be awake all night and then sleep all day at school. So um, we we uh, worked really hard with the school district to try and, you know, get those kinds of things. But at, at some point, they just kind of said, okay, Tim's going to go off and take a nap for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to because you're you're just fighting a battle that it's pointless. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, we probably battled the medication thing for several years. Uh, it took a couple of years to get to where we found that uh, the dosage and the time to give it to him and all that kind of stuff to where he could actually do the, the, the schoolwork. Um, but uh, because of, I think of that, he had a little bit uh, lower expectations than his wife and I kind of felt he should be on for, we, we, we knew he, he could do it, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually had him um, uh, in Sylvan for a couple of years as well, okay. just to try and catch him up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but Tim, while he was in Sylvan, um, he's, he's one of those guys that he, he'll manipulate you. <laughs> Uh, he really will. And he would sit there and he would tell the, the, the instructors, oh, this is just a little bit too hard for me. Can you help me out here? Blah, blah, blah. And so we noticed that his progress wasn't going like we wanted it to. And so we sat down with the Sylvan educators and we finally, finally came to the conclusion that they were helping him too much. So yeah. we basically said during his last six months, said, no, you will make him do the work. Just make him do the work. He can do it. He knows he can do it. And we saw that his progress actually did increase significantly when um, when we told the teachers to not, you know, don't just fall in love with this little personality <laughs> that trying, uh, trying to manipulate you because he's trying to manipulate you and doing his work for him. Um, and uh, we found that he was able to do a lot from from that point forward. Well, that's that's interesting because that's kind of one of those those limits that I think 
people have and they don't realize that they have, you know, where maybe because they knew he was someone who had autism that they felt like, oh, I need to, you know, I mean, I don't know that they always give everybody maybe the kind of help that they gave to Tim. So that would be, that would be interesting for me to find out, like, um, because that is something that I've often talked with other teachers about and other paraprofessionals is how much is too much help? Because we do want our students to be as successful as they can be on their own with supports, you know, yeah. and, and so trying to, to find that fine line between when we're enabling versus equipping or, you know, like when we're holding their hand instead of picking them up and carrying yeah. them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that is something that, um, I think people's just kindness of their heart. They just, they don't want others to struggle. Right, and so right. when they, when they feel or see that someone is struggling, they want to jump in and help oftentimes. So. I, I agree. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't fault them for, for what that, you know, what that right. it was just more that uh, we believed because we, we know from being, you know, the, the parents, we believe that he was capable of a little more than he was actually showing. And we found out why. Right. <laughs> You were, you were correct. <laughs> and we, uh, we modified a little bit, right? Just, uh, just like when you go into an IEP and you'll figure out that, oh, you know what, we can modify this mm -hmm. and, and uh, maybe get some better improvements or some different outcomes. You know, that's what Wes, what his mom and I did with the Sylvan. We just, we kind of took, uh, took charge of that and uh, got it, got it addressed. Good, good. All right. So fast forward to, he turns 18. Yep. He becomes a legal adult. Um, did he stay in school until before his 22nd birthday or did he um, leave school around whatever, however old he was around graduation time? Yeah. You know, I found that there are people that um, that look at this, you know, everybody has their own personal, unique mm -hmm. way of looking at it. Um, we allowed Tim to stay in the special school district until that year of 21. Right. Um, because the, the skills that he was learning uh, at, you know, after he finished the high school setting, uh, the skills he was learning was to me, life skills, mm -hmm. right? The things that I really thought was very important for him, especially for those times when his mom and I aren't there, right? Um, so we, we, we do everything we can to try and uh, have him put an effort in to, to do things for himself a lot. And mm -hmm. I thought that the, the, the skills that they were teaching him after that high school setting were really pretty valuable for him. So good. Yeah. And exactly what you said, it is a individual personal decision and you, you, each family has to make that on their own for that individual child. So um, one idea, one limit that I truly had no idea about until I met you was the limits of financial needs of a person with a disability. And now that your son is in his 20s, um, you have had to go through a major process to be able to feel confident and comfortable about his financial future. So can yep. you walk us through some of the things that you have had to do in order to feel comfortable and confident. Yeah, certainly. Thank you. Um, so the biggest thing is that when we got our um, our financial estate in, in place, you know, when we told the uh, the attorney that we had a special needs child, um, they kind of made mention that, well, do you have this thing called a special needs trust in place? And we were like, no, what's a special needs trust? <laughs> right. How, how does that work? Right. Right. Because one thing I will always tell people is that there is no handbook, right, for uh, for doing this. Right. And I, I've always asked people for the handbook. And uh, recently somebody came to me and said, you know, of all the times that I've, you know, all the work that I've done to find all these different resources, I need to just write the handbook. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm considering it. But um, uh, but anyway, in, in the process of talking to the attorney, we talked about a special needs trust. And what a special needs trust is it basically after the, the caregivers are gone, you know, it provides a couple different things. One, there will be a, um, a, a bit of money that uh, goes into this special needs trust to provide for those things that government 
government programs does not, right? So government programs like your SSI and stuff like that, they're going to provide for the basics of uh, food, clothing, and shelter, right? Which isn't a lot of money. But um, when when we're gone, um, the amount that he gets with SSI is just not going to cover what he needs. So we went on ahead and uh, we developed a special needs trust, which in our case, it's going to be uh, funded after we're gone. And then uh, he will actually receive uh, an inheritance, but he can't he cannot directly uh, receive the inheritance. If he directly receives the inheritance, he will lose his government support, right? So okay. um, the, uh, the, the attorneys kind of uh, started to guide us through what it is that, uh, that you need to do to make sure that there's enough money in place to take care of his needs, but yet he still receives the government support he's, uh, he's been getting. And uh, for a lot of parents, it's not just SSI, but it could be Medicaid and it could be other things like that, right? So um, um, I've actually worked with a lot of parents on making sure that they are able to maintain their government um, uh, resources, you know, their government program support, uh, and still have money to do the things that uh, SSI won't cover. Because again, it's just the basics. So SSI. Social security income? Um, Social security income. Okay. Supplemental security income. So did you have to do anything special with um, paperwork or, or anything in order for Tim to even get that to begin with? Right. So um, before the age of 18, in order to apply for and be accepted for SSI, um, the government, which is the Social Security Administration, the government is going to look at the resources and the income of the parents. Okay. Um, so uh, it's about, I think the, it, it, it's very close to like $750 a month, which is what um, SSI pays uh, on a monthly basis. Again, that is, that is to cover uh, the, just the basics. And I will say this. Um, the if you have a two parent uh, two parent family, the person who has the most patience is the person who should speak with Social Security, <laughs> uh, because it is not necessarily the easiest thing to get through. Because uh, they they do they audit, uh, and which I I'm kind of glad you know you don't want sure. people who make millions of dollars receiving a lot of uh, um, uh, right. You know, government assistance, government right. assistance, right? So they do uh, continually um, monitor, you know, the the resources uh, to determine if someone is eligible for the support, right? And I come into situations all the time where I, I talk to families and they say, "Oh, I think this SSI thing is a scam because they came to me and they said I owe them this much money back." And I say, well, first of all, SSI is not a scam. It's a very important thing that your child is going, you know, the, you're, the individual who's going through this is going to need, to need at some point. But there are some tricks to it. Like, for instance, on those months where your child might be working a job or when the parents might be working a job and they uh, have a three paycheck month instead of a two paycheck month. Now, all of a sudden, Social Security doesn't necessarily look at the flow. They look at the monthly income. Mm -hmm. And monthly income pushed you over the threshold. And therefore, this month, you are no longer going to receive that particular check. Now, again, Social Security, you got to have patience with them. Um, because believe it or not, then you're going to have a month where you have a two paycheck month where it got spread out just the wrong way. And you have a lot less in that month than you would have had uh, normally. And they'll basically come back and they say, oh, well, you know what? You didn't uh, earn that much this month. So we're going to go ahead and pay you a little bit extra this month. So it's one of those ebbs and flow type of things. You have to have patience with um, Social Security. But I also will say, talk with them. Don't just uh, listen. To, don't just get a letter and expect the letter to, uh, to be what it is. Go and uh, talk with the people. And, uh, you know, they're people, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll work with you. Uh, but, uh, it, it definitely takes a lot of patience to work with them. Uh, 
as it does with probably every government office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one with the patients, so my wife is the one that, uh, that works with Social Security. There's this thing called a representative payee. That's the person who actually talks with uh, Social Security on a monthly basis to report income and resources. So you have your daughter, yep. um, whom I sh am sure loves her big brother. So why wouldn't it be okay to just say, you know, she's going to get everything and she'll take care of Tim when we're gone? That's an excellent question. And please don't take this, this wrong, but please do not do that. Um, <laughs> the reason why is because, um, uh, yes, Colleen loves her brother and Colleen is going to be the successor guardian when my mom or when Cynthia and I are gone. Um, and so she will be the person that does what Cynthia and I are doing now, but there are all kinds of pitfalls. One of them is she could get married. And now all of a sudden, uh, any inheritance that I give to Colleen might get used up. You know, it, it's supposed to go to Tim, but it might get used up for things that Colleen needs. Colleen might become disabled herself someday. Colleen might get sued. Um, Colleen might just be absolutely horrible with managing money. Um, there are all kinds of different pitfalls that I would say that uh, uh, and in, in in the way that, you know, the group of people that I work with, that's called disinheriting the child, right? And basically having a sibling or some other trusted caregiver to do that. And I can tell you that every intention is, you know, the heart is in the right place, but there are just way too many things that could go wrong, which, which to me says you need to have that special needs trust in place because the special needs trust not only is going to provide the, the resources, it's also going to have sections in there that says this is going to be do, uh, used to provide for this. This is going to provide for this. This is going to provide for this. So it, it can it can get very, very specific. And there's also something attached to that uh, uh, called a letter of intent. And the letter of intent will basically give the caregivers, including any um, you know, anybody, uh, advocates, uh, groups, anything that says, OK, these are his doctors. These are the uh, TV shows that they like. Um, these are the, the interests and the hobbies and things like that. So all of that is pre-written down so that if for some reason something were to happen to Colleen, right, and she could no longer take care of it, then somebody else would have to step in. And now it's all written down and everything is ticked and tied and Tim gets taken care of. That's awesome. This all sounds like it's cost you a lot of money though over the span of your lifetime um because i'm i'm thinking about people who i mean my husband and i thankfully have been able to put some money aside for our own retirement um but i know a lot of people who don't do that and i know a lot of people who can't do that because they they are just living from this paycheck to this paycheck and the bills are barely paid now mm -hmm. so how does someone who's in that position, is it worth it for them to go through all of what, what you're telling me you went through for Tim? It is because um, what you're going to find is that Social Security will be, uh, they're going to be selective and they're going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have some, um, some limits on things. So you'll want to make sure that you uh, are working with someone that can help you with those limits. For instance, um, and this is just my circumstance, uh, I, I don't want to say that I'm a lawyer or giving legal advice or anything, but when I put all of my assets, including my home, my cars, my bank accounts and everything inside of my living trust, now the only thing that... Um, the government could really look at was the income that I made, right? That was the only amount of resources, which believe it or not, Tim actually qualified for a, a certain amount, not the full ride, but he, uh, he qualified for a certain amount of SSI, the supplemental um, income. He, he uh, qualified for that when he was still only 17, 
right? Oh, okay. Um, so, and the reason for that, we believe, is because all of the all of the assets that we owned that would have been counted against us went and uh, in, into our uh, trust, and therefore, you know, we didn't have to to worry about it. I can say that it, um, you know, depending on the attorney that you choose, and I, I recommend using an attorney for that. Um, uh, there are some that uh, cost a little bit of money, and then there are some that are, um, you know, I know uh, legal services that uh, help people in the circumstance that you were talking about, mm -hmm. living paycheck to paycheck. Um, but the most important thing is uh, we want to have these kind of planning things set up because we're not going to be here um, the whole right. time. Our children are most likely going to out uh, outlive us, right? And we want them to have some level of support once we're gone. And uh, I do as a, just as a kindness of my heart type of a thing, I do help other people with, um, with getting a hold of the right resources. I mean, mm -hmm. I've not only, uh, I, the only thing that I say is that once you have your medical diagnosis, then I'll help find you resources to, to, to go and, uh, and layer on top of that. Um, but it all starts with the medical diagnosis. But I do. I, I help people find resources all the time, both uh, community-based, social-based, um, legal. Uh, and so I, I do help people find that. Uh, and for that matter, financial. I do help people find the right uh, financial uh, people to talk to. And, um, you know, get, making sure that it all gets set up. So uh, I do that out of the kindness of, of my heart to, to help people do that right. all, all the time. And that's, that's the kind of the idea of the hashtag no limits is that, you know, if you've been down the road, um, you know, that you can hopefully, hopefully go back and help. I cannot talk today. Um, those who are maybe starting or not as far as you are on that walk because there are so many paths or detours. I don't know what they would, what would be a good descriptive um, for once a child with special needs. I mean, when they're in preschool, when they're in elementary, when they're in middle school, when they're in high school. And then, you know, that's, that's where I've always focused as a teacher is just, you know, helping them get through that part of their lives. Yeah. But when you think about it, that's 13 years of a person's life and out of their first, you know, 18 to 22 years. And then, you know, the average lifespan anymore is 70, I think. Um, and, and depending on, you know, maybe the disability, it might not be that long, but they're still going to have most likely many more years out of school than they did in. Mm -hmm. And so now that I have gotten out of focusing on that bubble in their life, um, I'm finding all these things like, you know, going into group homes and, and what the thought processes are that some families go through for that and what the financial responsibility is in regards to that. And, you know, and um, once I met you a couple of years ago, you know, learning about um, what you've all gone through with your son as far as the trust and, um, the, the special needs trust <laughs> in case anybody just popped on. I don't want you to think he doesn't trust his son. <laughs> it was a different, different definition of the word trust there. Um, but even like um, some of the families that I have kept in contact with the filing for guardianship and the need and the understanding of that, mm -hmm. does that, how does that play? And for anyone who um, doesn't know what that is, if you could explain that, because I'm sure you'll explain it better than I can, because you've, you know, had to think about it probably. Yeah, I've lived it. So um, when when Tim was turning 18, pretty much guardianship was the way to go for someone in Tim's condition. Um, now, Tim, like I said, he's pretty high functioning. There is a new thing that's just a couple of years old um, called supportive decision making. It is it, it allows the child to still retain some level of, um, just, you know, they have the ability to make decisions on their own without having a guardian behind them. 
Now, there is still a, uh, a semi-legal document that kind of says what types of decisions this person is allowed to make on their own, and then what types of decisions that they're allowed to make with support, which would be um, some sort of a caregiver. Uh, but um, the way that um, uh, Tim's mom and I chose to do, we did the guardianship. And uh, guardianship is, to me, an extremely important uh, decision to make. And I, I would say that um, I, I would talk with anybody about it if they wanted to talk about it. It's, um, it's, it's not a fun process uh, by any means because um, not many people know that you have to sue your child. And uh, I will say that um, please don't look at it as a bad thing. It's actually a very, very good thing. And the reason for that is because the reason that your child might be disabled is because they might have been involved in some sort of a accident which caused them to be in the condition that they're in. And they might have a huge settlement that kind of sits behind them. Excuse me, my wife loves Christmas music, so... <laughs> fixes that. I apologize for that. Okay. Um, but um, with uh, with the guardianship, what we did, um, we, we, we sued our child. And since Tim wasn't in that situation, we never thought about it. But uh, let's just say that that same accident that caused Tim uh, to be disabled um, just so happened to kill both my wife and I, right? Now, Tim needs a guardian. And because there's this big settlement sitting behind him, um, almost anybody that had interest in, in Tim could go through the guardianship process and try and get guardianship of Tim without having any, uh, any at all indication of what Tim's needs were or his best interest. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the reason that you do the, the legal processes as you do is so that a court of law can determine if the person who is uh, applying for the guardianship has a, uh, a vested interest in, in the person who they're applying for the guardianship uh, to, to be and not just any resources that might be sitting behind that. So even though it is a heart-wrenching um, process, um, it's a very necessary process. It, it's a one day thing, but it is, it, it's, it's heart wrenching and you will, um, it, it, it's difficult, right? Cause you're, you know, I, I was sitting on one side of a courtroom and my son was sitting on the other side of a courtroom with his own lawyer. And I couldn't, I couldn't talk to him when he had a question he had to talk to someone who he'd only met once in his life. Right. And, um, you know, so he's, he's 18 years old and didn't quite understand everything was going on. But um, so I'd, I I would say that it's it's not a fun process, but it's a necessary process, especially for those that are not very high functioning. Um, but I will also say that just kind of remember that we're you know, at the age we are, we're probably still going to outlive our son so we need to have this thing called a successor guardian set up ahead of time so that 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 same process doesn't need to happen again. So my daughter is the successor guardian um, for uh, for Tim. She knows everything that she's supposed to do. We have all the legal documents already set up and ready to go. So, um, yep, I, I'd say that's definitely a big one to plan for because uh, um those legal decisions need to be made. Right. Yeah. And that's just um, one more thing that families who have someone with a special need in them go through and have to think about that. I mean, my daughter's going to be 21 in a couple of months and I didn't have to think about that when she turned 18. Yep. Um, had it not been for my knowledge and my relationships with some of the families, like I said, um, who I helped get through school, I wouldn't have any idea, you know, and I feel like that has to be traumatic, not just for the parents, but for the student as well, mm -hmm. you know, to, 
and especially for um, several of the, of the families that I'm aware of that had to go through this, um, their child was not probably really understanding or even remotely understanding, um, you know, what was happening and why it was important. Um, so I, I just feel like that has to just be one more, and it's, it, it's a limit, but it's a good limit. You know, I mean, there are some things that we do have to have limits on. Certainly. Um, like I said, I, I fully embrace the, um, the need behind it. I just wish there was a, that there was a more pleasant way to go through it. Right. That, right. That, um, but I, I fully embrace what's going on and understand it. I believe it's necessary. Uh, it's just, it is not a pleasant day. <laughs> right. And it, I mean, you say it's one day as far as the day in court, but you had Oh, I'm yeah. sure more than one day prior to that, yeah, getting yeah. all the documents I mean, ready, contact because from my understanding, there's other people that have to be contacted. Um, you know, as far as like if you were divorced, especially, you know, yeah. that they would reach out to the other parent, they reach out to any siblings, um, you know, just to make sure that, like you said, you are on the up and up in wanting to be this person's guardian. And not only wanting to be, but have the the resources and the the ability to do it right. So there's 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 you're right. There, there's a lot more than just a day. Um, you know, the good thing is is that my wife went uh, and my wife and I we went through this. You know, just headstrong into it. We actually started investigating it a year. You know, when he was 17 years old, and you know we we got a hold of a lawyer and he looked at us and he said, you know what, I'm glad you're getting ahead of this, but come back to us when he's three months away, you know, we'll be okay. able to get all this done ahead of time in just no more than three months. Cause you know, um, you're right. They will get a hold of any interested parties, any, um, any parties that uh, need to be reached out to uh, if, if it's a really, um, you know, bad situation, they'll have to reach out to doctors. They'll have to do all kinds of things like that. But, you know, honestly, with with, with Tim, it was really a, just a, a few a, a few really just meetings with our attorney. That attorney introduced us to Tim's attorney, and um, so it, it was it was pretty straightforward on our end. But absolutely, there are circumstances where it can be a lot more complicated. So, you have a lot of knowledge on the back end now, because you've gone through a lot of these things. Were you in, or was your wife working in the field that you knew that this needed to be done? Or how did you know that you needed to do those steps? I mean, was there an agency that was helping you? Um, like I said, were you guys employed in a, in a business that, that said, Hey, you know, you, you probably need to do this um, because, again, I'm thinking about all these families that I've worked with and some of them did not know about the guardianship, yeah. you know, and I know a lot of them don't know about a special needs trust or, you know, they're thinking, oh, well, there are siblings and the siblings are just going to, you know, they've already said they'll take care of of the mm -hmm. one who needs it. Um, so how, how would how did you find out about all of that stuff? Like I said, there is no handbook. Right. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. I mean, how do you, where did you go? Um, I guess just the inquisitive, inquisitive person inside of me kept wanting to get ahead of things. Okay. So I'm a kind of guy that I want to get ahead of it. I want to get, you know, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? So I'm always trying to get ahead of things. So I'm always asking questions, right? What, what is this? What happens next? Who do I talk to to do that? And uh, so a lot of the people that would give me advice um, were people in the special education uh, group. So the, the the teachers and the administrators would give me some, you know, because I kept on asking questions. And then they'd say, well, I don't know. Talk to this group over here. Right. Because I had parents ask me those kinds of questions, too. And, and I, I've never taught at the high school level. Right. So, you know, there were times when they would ask me and, and where we live, I mean, you, you're closer to the big city than what I am. And I mean, we really have very few resources out this way. And so I'd like, well, try this place, try this place. 
Yeah. Well, because I'm the kind of guy that loves to get ahead of things, um, I have a whole big list of resources that uh, that I have behind me. For instance, um, if you haven't heard of them, there's this fantastic organization called St. Louis ARC, A-R-C. Um, ARC um, is, uh, you know, that their whole job is to help individuals and parents to navigate this time, right? So um, they are a big help, a big resource for people that might be in that uh, inquisical, want to know what uh, what to do next. Um, there are also, um, you know, we uh, got Tim involved with a, um, uh, a community-based sports program called Challenger Baseball. And what Challenger Baseball allowed me to do was not only get Tim to participate in a sport and in that sport, everybody with every, you know, every kind of special need, they're on a baseball field and they're all playing baseball and everybody is just, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing. But the, the great thing about that is guess who's sitting, you know, uh, on my right shoulder, someone else who's gone through it as well. So what am I doing? I'm asking questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? So I have learned a ton about this simply by asking questions. Um, there is no, I mean, once you're on the road, there are no road signs. Right. <laughs> There's no, uh, the speed limit is this. <laughs> right, there, exactly. There, there is nothing out there for this. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, being involved. Uh, being involved with your child, walking that path with them and making sure that they will never walk it alone, at least for as long as you can do it. Right. They'll, right. they'll never walk it alone. Um, my son knows that I'm always going to be there. His mom's always going to be there. And by the way, he's a mama's boy. So, <laughs> uh, so I don't necessarily feel guilty about it, but um, there are days that I think that if, if I were not in the picture, he would just be he'd be fine. <laughs> he is a mama's boy. So, um, but that's okay. You know, uh, we, we definitely have our relationship and he, he can come to me. He comes to me all the time. We're, we're just, uh, we, we're, we're doing great. But the biggest thing is, is I'm involved. And um, uh, the more that you're involved, uh, hopefully the more questions you ask, the more questions you ask, the more people you'll meet, the more people you meet, the more questions you ask. <laughs> And it becomes, right. yeah, kind of. It just kind of becomes a uh, a cycle, right? And right. Um, once you start being introduced to all those resources, um, you just kind of go, "Wow, how did I not know about this? Why is this not advertised? Why is this not publicized? Why why don't more people know about this?" And it's just because there is no handbook, right? Yeah. Well, we have about 13 minutes. I always have to end before an hour just because um, I'm, I'm not an editor and I can't necessarily go in and, and take bits out and um, make it short enough so that it fits in some other uh, formats. So is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to, to share about your journey with your son? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always kinds of um, things that, uh, that, that I like to, to talk about with, with him. First of all, um, he, he does accept um, challenge pretty well. So uh, we can challenge him and, uh, and he accepts that it's from the perspective of the limits, right? Okay. When you challenge him, you'll find out where any breaking points are. Okay. And if it's a breaking point today, it may not be a breaking point next month. It may not be a breaking point two years from now. Um, so uh, Tim accepts challenges a lot. And I'm grateful for that because it allows me to find out where where his limits are and things like that. Um, for instance, I found out that he will never drive. And the reason that I found out he will never drive is because I took him on a, a parking lot and said, let's learn how to drive. Right. And uh, uh by the time that that little lesson was over, he said, dad, I'm never going to drive again. And I'm like, Tim, that's fine. You don't, mm -hmm. you never have to drive again, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to do that. So now he has an adult tricycle and he loves his adult tricycle. Um, it gives him a sense of, 
um, independence mm-hmm. that he can now get from here to work on days that are not rainy and cold and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a sense of independence today. He rode his bike to work. Um, so, um, we, we love finding out just how independent that he can be, but then we will never make him sit on an Island. Right. Right. So, um, so that's one thing about Tim. Uh, one thing I love about Tim is that he has several interests. And if you talk to him about those things that interest him, uh, you will never know that you're talking to an autistic child. And my favorite, uh, my favorite topic that he loves is Pacific World War II. Um, You can talk with him. And he, he talked with a historian on a, uh, uh, the USS Texas down down in Houston. He talked to the historian of that ship for two hours. And wow. They talked. And it was the most, it was a great experience for Tim, but it was also a great experience for the, for the historian. Because for the most part, the historian's job is to point people, yeah, that starts over there. Um, you know, uh, in 20 minutes, this is going to happen here. Oh, uh, you look at the bathrooms are over there. That's the job of the historian most of the time. Well, when uh, my uh, son went in there, the historian brought out his books and they went through these books for two hours and the historian just had a wonderful time going through it. And, you know, um, Tim is extremely respectful with, uh, with that kind of thing. It, 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 it almost warms my heart that, you know, that's one of the things that he's very, very into. Now that said, some of his other topics he's, he loves, Star Trek. <laughs> do not do that to my son if he does it back to you, or you will get stuck in a two-hour conversation <laughs> and not want to get involved in. Um, but if, if I'm ever there, I will always uh, go up to the person that Tim, I call Hornschwoggles. Um, I'll go up to that individual and say, Tim knows that if you need to go, just say, Tim, I'm done. I, I have to go. And he'll be, good. he'll be done, right? That's so, good, yeah. It's one of those things that we've we've conditioned him. Also, <laughs> we have to tell, and because I mean, who wants to be sitting there going like, uh, "Dude, I, I can't do this." <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah that's so, yeah. I, after this, that's as far as I'm. Like, I don't know anything else. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but <laughs> and I don't necessarily if, need to know. <laughs> if you respond to that, um, he will be on you, and I mean, he will be on you hard. So I have to uh, just prepare people for that. But, um, you know, so there's just a couple of things like that, that, um, that he really, really enjoys and he can, he can engage in two way conversations and things like that. But then there are other things that are just kind of normal everyday types of things. He will just crawl into his own little world and he'll just hang out there for a while. So, um, that's where those little tricks that the doctor talked to me about, um, kind of trying to pull him out of his world. Um, I do it all the time. Um, I have my own little tricks that uh, that I can pull him out and uh, and prevent him from kind of getting stuck. Right. Yeah. I always want to see him advancing and I'm never going to I'm never going to put him in a uh, situation where he's going to advance faster. than He's capable. But I always want to see him that uh, that he's uh, he's advancing and that uh, he doesn't get stuck. So it's. um that's the biggest thing. Um, now, I will say Colleen, when she was young, she had a language delay. So um, it wasn't that uh, she had uh, any physical or mental really disabilities, but she had a language delay. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had to work with Colleen through the special school district up until about age 12 or 13 before she actually kind of caught up. Um, so, but, uh, so you know, I've, I've experienced that part as well, you know, not quite special needs, but needing a little bit more help than, uh, than some others. Right. Um, and that's still considered a special need, anything outside of, you know, what the majority of the population receives right. is what's considered a special need. Yeah. Um, and the, the good news is, is that with the, with the, with the proper help, we recognized what she needed, got her the help. And now she's, uh, She's a high star. She's a, a college senior, right? Doing, wow. doing just fine on her own. So um, in her case, that, that limit was overcome. And uh, she, uh, she, she, uh, she, she took care of that, you know, with, with our help, but uh, she got that taken care of and now it's behind her. 
Uh, yeah. That first year of college was a bit of a, uh, a struggle, but uh, she got through that too. And now we're, uh, we're good there. So um, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, if anybody wants to just reach out to me to find out, you know, what I did to, to help Tim and uh, for that matter, Colleen in, uh, in finding the resources. Um, like I said, I'm trying to be the one that writes that handbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one other thing, just real quick, when people say special needs trust, I'm going to try and keep this real short. <laughs> there, there are uh, three different kinds of special needs trust. Okay. And one of them is a, is one where the, um, the special needs individual receives money themselves. So if you have like a grandparent that wants to gift the child some money, um, do everything you can to get a hold of that grandparent quickly and say, do not, do not uh, give the, the individual that money, give it to a trust or uh, maybe something like even an ABLE account, which is something we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Right. Um, find a way to give the child the money in a third party special needs trust. Otherwise it becomes a first party special needs trust and all kinds of problems happen there. So I can help people uh, figure out uh, and help navigate. Um, I may not have uh, speed limit signs, but I can probably tell you where your caution signs and your stop signs are and your left turn here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? Speed limit signs um, wouldn't matter anyway because everyone's going at their own speed. That's just it. I mean, I I, I can't give you the speed limit because that yeah. everybody's going to have their own speed limit. Yeah. But I can probably tell you a lot of the the different kind of things to, to go. I can help with resources. I can help with, um, you know, just different places to go, different people to talk to, how we got the, the help we did, and just a lot of the questions to ask. Because again, you're going to be elbow to elbow or shoulder to shoulder with somebody. It's just a matter of asking some questions, right? So, yeah. so what I heard most of the time through that, kind of the underlying theme was don't isolate yourself. Um, right. Because if you do, then you're not making those connections. You're not getting the emotional support. You're not getting the educational support as far as, you know, what what can happen in a school system and then what can happen educationally, meaning, you know, all this kind of stuff, the financial side of it, the the living side of it. Um, you know, the if, if a child goes through school with an IEP, the purpose of that IEP is to uh, work with the child's unique needs to prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. And once they're out of the school system, you know, finding those people that can help you with that portion of what the IEP prepared them for. And um, yeah, just having that, you know, people who have been down the walk before you and who can, you know, even if it's just one step further down the walk than you are, Mm -hmm. they can help make your step a little bit easier. That's kind of what I've been hearing the whole time. Just having that having that, that support group or not even a support group, just knowing that there are people out there that have, you know, been down the road and, and trying to find them. And I think Dennis, if you could not necessarily write a book, but if you could um, find the way to draw arrows so that everybody knows where they need to go to find the people that they need. Cause I think a lot of these resources, like what, what I do are out there. It just seems sometimes difficult to get the word to the person who needs it at that moment, Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know what that key is. Um, so if you can figure that out, you could retire from whatever you do because you, you could make millions of dollars, I think doing that. But, so, so thank you um, yeah. for being the um, first dad on hashtag no limits and um, for helping your son and being willing to help others break through the financial um, problems or situations, not necessarily problems is the right word, um, that they may face as they grow older. So if you like this video, please hit the like button um, and leave a comment. If you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. And then join me here on Friday at one o'clock for Friday with Fran. And this week, Fran is at the Capitol building of, of in Illinois, um, trying to get our legislators to figure out a different way to reach out to our families our loved ones who have been quarantined that we can't have the interactions with. And then um, next week on hashtag no limits, I will be talking with Holly. She is a military wife. Um, They have moved several times and she has a child with an IEP and she's going to talk to us about 
how you keep those limits from building up when you're moving from school district to school district and the military um, sends your, your spouse off and you're suddenly a single parent, even though you're not a single parent. So thank you again, Dennis, so much for joining us. If you have any questions for him, um, just let me know and I'll be able to connect the two of you together. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks a lot.